Praise the Lord. I want to continue from where I stopped about two weeks ago, talking of overcoming depression. I want to try this morning to see if I can give you some reasons why you must not allow depression to subdue you. And besides, the things that you can do to overcome depression. Hallelujah. I made us to understand that depression is a sense of feeling of sadness. It's a serious medical condition in which a person feels very sad, hopeless, and unimportant, and often is unable to live a normal life. I made it to understand that if you're suffering from depression, you cannot live a normal life. Everything around you will be kind of lost to reality. You, you can see you don't have a clear focus anymore about life. Sometimes it's so demanding that even when things are placed before you that seem beautiful, you can't even appreciate it because you are depressed. Hallelujah. But I want us to understand again and again that there is nothing in life that you're passing through now that have never happened to somebody else somewhere along the line. If you frustrate yourself or allow the situation to frustrate you, you are likely to miss even the good things that God has for you. Hallelujah. Human efforts is not enough to guarantee us absolute peace. And sometimes you have nothing to do with you maybe you're passing through certain situation and perhaps you want to link it to some entities, some powers or whatever. Just understand that as far as the world is concerned, there is always an issue. But the good news is Jesus said, be of good cheer for I've overcome the world. What it means to say is that which was supposed to produce those ugly situations, those bitterness, those depressive situations in life, he has been able to overcome it and he's speaking to you to overcome and not just to overcome but to depend on his overcoming ability to overcome situations in the world. Hallelujah. Everybody has his or her own problem. Your problem are not unique to you alone as if somebody else does not have anything else. Just like our faces differ, so are issues in life that differs within and each every one of us. But the point is this, there is only one thing that can enable you to overcome, and that is Christ Jesus, the Spirit of the Lord. Amen? So I want to continue from that space. I told you about Elijah. I told you about uh, Rebecca, Samuel's wife, that's, um, so, that's Samuel's mother. All of those things are issues that can bring depression to a man. You remember even Anna had to speak to the father, I mean, Elkanah, the husband. And Elkanah had to make a statement, am I not more than children to you? But you see, the woman was in a state of depression because at that stage, she was barren. But you have to understand that even God at the end did prevail. Hallelujah. But I want us to read a particular scripture this morning. Everybody knows about the life of Job, how powerful he was, how rich he was, 
um, I mean everything. When he talked about being in the East, as used in the scriptures at that time, it was the wealthiest man. The Bible made us to understand that when people want to die, it's like they commit their family into the hands of Job to take care of. He was such a tremendous blessing to the widows, to the orphan, and all around him. There was so much money as far as God was concerned, what was concerned, he was a blessed man. But you see, from that position of being blessed so much, at the end of the day, you know the story. He came down to nothingness. But I love Job for one thing. He keeps saying, as long as I live in this flesh, I shall see God. And to see God is not necessarily seeing you're going to see a physical being. But you see God prevailing and manifesting his goodness. By the time you experience the tremendous change that God can bring in your life, there you have seen God. But you see, for you to see God, to produce a change, you have to be focused, you have to be steadfast, you have to try as much as possible through the power of Jesus to overcome the spirit of depression. Hallelujah. I was reading a story this morning. I mean, yesterday, here was a pastor who went to burn himself alive because he's trying to fight, raise his team or some other things, and he feels people are not responding because he has done several things, joined so many things, and in fact, a lot of things he has done. People actually have been appreciated, but it's like, he doesn't feel satisfied with that which he has done. And he feels that if he can burn himself alive, people will take notice and try to overcome what is seemingly racism and a problem between men. But I think it's not the solution. That you die does not necessarily mean men are going to change their mind. If it is what it means to change people's mind, good enough you are a pastor, then the death of Jesus will have been enough for everybody to have his mind changed. You can't sacrifice more than Jesus did. Hallelujah. Are you following what I'm saying now? So depression is a very bad spirit. And sometimes one of the things that really produces depression, I said maybe you're losing business, losing one thing or the other, is overestimation of your self-esteem. Sometimes you realize that when you feel people don't recognize you, when you feel people don't see you the way you're supposed to be, you fall into the state of depression. That is an overestimation of your ego. Your ego is overworking, and you're thinking people don't understand you, people don't recognize you, people don't respect you, people don't honor you, you fall into the state of depression. How did Ahitophel die? It's the same thing. Ahitophel was, the Bible tells us that his cancer was like the oracles of God. How many of you remember that? Okay, here was this man. He gave counsel to David, I mean to Absalom, on the way by which he can capture David. But then, the Bible said, God turned his counsel to nothing for the sake of David. Therefore, what he told Absalom to do to be able to capture David and take over the throne did not work. What is the next thing that he did? The Bible made us understand he went and hung himself. He died because his counsel was not what? Accepted. Now you think about it. Mere counsel you give to somebody that was not accepted makes you to go commit suicide. Why? Because he overestimated his life. He overestimated his gift. He overestimated his opinion. Are you following me? So sometimes when you overestimate what is in you, when you, when you begin to think people don't recognize you, they don't believe in you, they don't respect you, you come into this state of depression. You, you at that state feels what people were supposed to be saying or talking about you, they are not saying it. You come into the place of thinking, well, the way people are supposed to respect you, they are not respecting you. And that brings a lot of thought into your mind. 
and then you begin to feel isolated. You begin to feel, well, these people don't honor me the way they ought to honor me. When you go into that place, you fall into the state of depression. The people that you are supposed to relate with, you no longer want to relate with them because you feel they don't honor you. They feel they don't respect you. That's the particular case that happened to Ahitophet. Ahitophet is feeling, how can it be? They hold me, begin to give counsel to this man, and my counsel, he turned down. No, life is not worth living anymore. He died, but he didn't realize that it was God that turned the counsel to nothing, just to preserve David. Are you sitting with me? So we have a lot of things that lead to depression. We have a lot of things that we have observed in the scriptures that make people depressed. And like I said, most times the end, the end point of the spirit of depression is suicide. That's exactly what happened now to Ahitophet. So we see all of these things going on. But I'm saying you have no need, you have no reason one bit to kill yourself, to take yourself just because things are not the way you expect them to be. There is a greater tomorrow. Can I hear an amen? Let's start reading. Now, you know, the scripture said this, that a righteous man will fall seven times, but he shall do what? He shall rise again. So there is a place for standing up, even if you are falling. There is still a place. What is bad is you fall and you don't want to rise. Falling is not a problem, but not wanting to rise is a problem. Are you still there with me? And sometimes because you're falling, you're looking for necessary sympathy. You, you want people to sympathize with you. You want people to see your position. You want people to always come and say, oh, sorry, oh, sorry. And when you don't see that, you go into the state of depression. You are not feeling people hate you. You are not, people, not feeling people don't love you. You are spreading so many calls and they are not coming in. Are you sitting there with me? No, you even have some people, ordinary birthday celebration, that you don't acknowledge them, they get depressed. This man did not acknowledge that today is my birthday. He didn't send me a no. He didn't send me a thank you. You go into the state of depression. Man, I'm just making you to understand. You are the one causing your issue. It has nothing to do with people. Can I hear an amen to that? Praise the living God. One thing is certain. If people forsake you, the Lord promised not to forsake you. If you are depressed, God is always by your side. If people don't acknowledge you, God is acknowledging you. Can I hear an amen? Your reward must always come from God. That is why you can continue to do what you're doing. If you're assisting people, don't be tired. If you're encouraging people, don't be worried. Even if people don't speak to you to thank you, don't let that affect your mind. Once in a while, it could come. But the best you do is to try to overcome it. Can I hear an amen? Otherwise, it leads you to the state of depression. And the end point is you want to commit suicide. You want to be isolated. You don't want to talk to anybody anymore. You feel, well, what you have in mind is not coming true. Therefore, life is not worth living. But I'm saying to you, because of Jesus, life is worth living. Can I hear an amen? amen. All right. Francis posted something I read recently. You remember the two, uh, how many, how many lep lepers that were by the gates? You remember that? Good. Here were lepers that were by the gates. First kings. Good. They were all by the gates. And then there was a prophecy that rain is going to fall in times of famine. There's going to be food. Somebody say, how can that be? It's okay. You see with your eye, but you're not partake of it. Have you read that? Okay. Now think about that. Here were lepers outside the gate. Because as a leper, you are not allowed to stay in the city. You have to be outside of the city. So now they were by the gates. Are you seeing that? They have been excommunicated. But these people still have hope. They still have joy in their hearts. You know, they've come to believe what's going to happen. What is the meaning of that? No matter your condition, know that there is a tomorrow greater than today. Can I hear an amen? 
So this leper was able to stand up and take possession of the good things around them. They were lepers. They were rejected. Nobody wanted to speak to them. Nobody wanted to talk to them. The Lord said they must be out of the city so that they don't contaminate those who are in the city or transmit the sickness that was in them. That was enough rejection. That was enough banishment. But they did not reject themselves. In the midst of the final, they were lepers. They never rejected themselves. Can I hear an amen? But the whole community sent them out. They were not part of the system. But they refused to be rejected. They still had hope. In the midst of leprosy, they were the first to partake of the prophetic word. So no matter the condition of your life, you can be the one to partake of the prophetic word. Can I hear an amen a louder one? Praise the living God. Is anybody following me so far? We have no reason to be depressed. God is too good. God is so wonderful. His grace is so perfect that nothing that we are passing through now can destroy our life. Every thought that is coming into your spirit, why you are asking questions, why is it me? I banish that thought from your heart this morning in the name of Jesus Christ. I remember sometime something happened and the person asked a question, God, why me? And somebody was sitting by and he asked the question, so who should you have been? And that is very good. You say, why me? So, you should have allowed it to happen to Mr. B and not you. And then Mr. B also asked the question, so God, why me? So who should he be? Nobody else. At any point in time, God is always there. No matter your condition, don't query him. I want to show you what Job said. Because Job was almost saying the same thing, Lord, why me? Amen? I, you remember I made you to understand how Elijah said, kill me, I'm not better than the other people. And God is saying, I have 7,000 prophets that I'm nobody kneel unto bow. Amen? Job 3 verse 11. King James. I said, why did I not from the womb? Why did I not give up the ghost when I came out of the belly? Why did I not out of the womb? Why did I not give up the ghost out of the belly? What he's trying to say, why is it that my mother still have to carry me nine months? If I'm going to go through all of this, if this is what life can give to me, why was I not a stillborn baby that in my mother's womb I should have died without being given back to. That is the height of depression. Why? Because he lost everything. His business, his children, everything was gone. So why? Why is it that my mother still have to go through nine months and I was still alive? But you see, when things were good, he never thought about that. When things were good, he didn't ask God. Why me? Why am I still living? No, no, no. But because the material things were taken away from him. Even that which seems to be his life, which has to do with his children, we are also taken away from him. So the next thing is God, why me? It means life is not worth living. Are you getting that? Okay. I just want you to move to Job chapter 10, verse 18. Look at what he said. Job 10, verse 18. Wherefore then has I brought me forth out of the womb? Oh, that I had given up the ghost, and no eye has seen me. Can you get that? I wish I had died. 
that even when, when my mother finally gave birth to me, I should have died maybe one month or two months old. <laughs> but think about that. When life was good, he didn't say this. But the Bible is saying, no temptation that is taking the soldier is come unto man. And God with the same situation will make a way for you to do what? To escape. Are you still there with me? Look at Job's complaint. My mother should have aborted me. You shouldn't have allowed me to be given better. Maybe some of you are saying the same thing. But I have good news for you. God have not forsaken you. Hallelujah. So this is Job talking there. Alright. So it's like saying, dying in the womb, or never coming to maturity, as in the case of abortion, is a better life. <laughs> you can imagine a whole man that was so worthy comparing himself with a sea bird. That is how depression can change your thinking. Now you compare yourself with a sea bird. A man with so much, in quotes, ended up comparing himself with a sea bird born baby. That's the effect of depression. It's like saying being still blind without ever being able to breathe. You should have taken my life the very first day I was born. If at all I ever came to this world, right at that moment, you should have taken my life. I'm trying to make you see what depression can lead you into. A lot of the complaints that you have, unknown to you, you are gradually shifting to the realm of what? Of depression. Hallelujah. Okay, I just want us to move on to something else. So why, considering the life of Job this morning, why will you continue to live? Because there is a greater tomorrow, there is a better tomorrow. Can I hear an amen? Turn to Job 42. Job 42, um, I'll read from verse 1 to 6, and I'll jump to verse 12. Let me see if I can give you some reason why you must live. Job 42, verse 1. Then Job answered the Lord and said, I know that thou can do everything, and that no thought can be withholding from thee. Who is he that hide a counsel without knowledge? Therefore have I uttered that I understood not. Things too wonderful for me, which I knew not. Hallelujah. Can you see that? Now, Job is finally regretting because the Lord had to question him. As if, have I forsaken you? Have I abandoned you? Do you have an understanding why you are made? Do you know what I want to do through your life? By the time Job come to this understanding, he said, I'm sorry. I have uttered words that are beyond my understanding. Can you see that? Praise the Lord. Look at verse 5. I've heard of thee by the hearing of the ear, but now my eye does what? See thee. What did he see? He see the goodness of God. He see that God, he came to see that God have not abandoned him. Amen? I heard about thee. I've asked, what do you mean you've heard about God? What you're really trying to say is this. I've come to the place of real understanding. People have said how good you are. I didn't seem to believe. People have said how faithful you are. It, it didn't enter my mind to really know that you're such a faithful God. But now I can see. Why? Because understanding is coming to him. And the change of life is coming to him. Are you still there with me? 
Some of you hearing me now, you will see God. Because of the situation you are in, because of the things you said, God will show up and you are going to see him. And you will confess exactly the way Job have confessed. Look at verse 6. Whereby I have bought myself and repent in dust and ashes. In other words, I'm so sorry for the things I said. Why depression was on me. I think it's a good thing to do. Once in a while, you re-examine yourself. What are the things you've said? What are the kind of indirectly the abuses you've heaped on God? I mentioned that to you during the sacrifice Sunday week. Some of us have come to the place where we speak rudely unto God. And you know what Malaika told us? He said, why will you say we spoke rudely to you? He said, because he said, those who don't serve God, they live a better life than we do. How many of you understand that? That is the point. So some of you have said things like that. And if God is coming down to examine and to question the, 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 the reward of your lips, because the Bible says you shall satisfy with that which you say. Right? Good. If God is coming to question that, some of the things you are supposed to do right now is to repent. And say, Lord, I'm sorry for the things I have said. Job said, I bought myself in ashes. In other words, I hated the things I said. Because you are such a good God. You are a loving God. That which you say about your people, that is what you will do. Let's go to verse 12. Verse 12. So the Lord blessed the latter end of Job more than what? His beginning. There is hope for you, my brother. There is hope for you, my sister. The latter end of a man is always better than the beginning of a man's life. I want you to see this. When God is at work in your life, your latter end is greater than your beginning. Amen? Let's quickly move on. So the Lord blessed the latter end of Job more than his beginning. For there are 14,000 sheep, 6,000 camels. Hallelujah. Oh, no. Okay, I'll just take that. So the Lord blessed the latter end of Job more than his beginning. For there are 14,000 sheep, 6,000 camels, and 1,000 yoke of oxen, and 1,000 she asses. Verse 13. He had also seven sons and three daughters. And he has called the name of the fourth, Jemima, and the name of the second, Kezea, and the name of the third, Kerehopok. And in all the land where no women find so fair as the daughter of Job. Can I hear an amen? And their father gave them inheritance among their children. After this, leave Job. I like that. And hundred, and how many years? Forty years. And now look at the next thing. And he saw his sons and his sons' sons even four generations. Praise the Lord. Now think about it. If Job had gone to commit suicide, he wouldn't see even the great-grandchildren that he saw. Did you get that? Your future is better than your beginning. Because God is at work in your life. Letter end of Job was better than the first. God is always reserving the better, if you will. Better wine is always coming at the last point. Hallelujah. Let me read this very quickly from the message. You just listen. I babble 
on about things far beyond me. You know, there were the complaints I was given. There were the things I said in the state of depression and lack of understanding. By implication, depression makes you to shift away from focusing on divine life and truth as revealed by God. Listen to me. If you can't keep on with what God has said about you, situation will make you turn away from divine life and truth. You will act contrary to that which God has in mind. Job said, I have other things far beyond me. Hallelujah. Verse said, I'm convinced you can do anything and everything. Nothing and no one can upset your plans. Can I hear an amen? This is a good thing I want you to understand this morning. God has a plan for you. And he said, no man and no situation can upset the plans of God. In other words, you can't change God's plan concerning your life. So make frustration and make you to lose the realization of God's plan concerning your life. He said, nothing in creation can upset your plan. And the Lord said, I know the thought that I take towards you. Thought of good, that you may have what? Unexpected end. Now don't you forget, when God said that in the book of Jeremiah, he said it to a people that were in captivity. He said it to a people that were in Babylon. He said it to a people that were in bondage. But God is still saying, in the midst of you being in bondage, I know the thoughts that I think towards you. That your end is going to be better than you being in captivity. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So no matter the level of captivity you are in Babylon, God's end for you is more glorious. Verse 3 again said, you ask, who is it modeling the water? Ignorantly confusing the issue. Second, guessing my purpose. Second, guessing. You're just guessing God's purpose about your life. But God's purpose about your life is pure, is good, and is great. Hallelujah. I admit it. I was the one. A babble on about things far beyond me made small talk about wonders way over my head. Verse 4. You told me, listen, and let me do the talking. Let me ask the question. Then you gave the answer. Verse 5. I admit I was lived by rumors of you. Now have it off first hand from my own eyes and ear. Good. Now, when you hear things that you have not tasted, they look like rumor. Because the state now is... Job is saying, men have said so much good about you. But by reason of my condition, I disbelieved. Because what you initially believe, and you begin to see changes, not major to the things you believe, they become something like a rumor. A rumor is a false information. Are you sitting there with me? So it's like saying, I got false information about you in my state of confusion. In my state of depression, I considered all that was said about you to be what? Rumors. Hallelujah. Verse 6 says, I'm sorry. Forgive me. I will never do that again. And somebody has to say the same thing with Job this morning. Can I hear an amen? amen? I promise. I will never again live on cross of hearsay, crimes of rumor. In other words, I don't want to come to the place where I think God is not who he is. Sometimes people come to Job. Now hear this. The wife of Job even come to him and said, why continue like this if you think God is so good? If I were you, I'll better die. 
Did you get that? Good. So another way of looking at it is this. When Job is saying, it is rumor, so another way of saying, people have said things about you that are not true. They have even said, maybe you abandoned me. They've already told me, I should go and die. My own bosom wife said the same thing to me. But I've come to see all of those things are not about what? Rumors. You are better than they say. You are better than the girls. And you're taught for me, no man can upset it. By implication, even the devil cannot upset the plan of God concerning your life. No man can upset God's plan concerning your life. It could be rough, it could be tough, but God's plan is still going to stand. Hallelujah. And let me tell you that this morning, some of the things some of us are experiencing and passing through, God already knows we are going to pass through them. But the point is he has not forsaken us. When Pharaoh had the children of Israel in Egypt, he thought it was by his own power. But you see, before Jacob ever gave birth to those 12 tribes, God already said to Abraham, your children shall be in captivity for how many years? For 400 years. God saw the future before the children were born. There was no incident and accident in God. He knew they were going to be there. Are you still following me? Because when God made a covenant to say, your children shall be in captivity for 400 years, then Jacob himself was not born. Then the 12 tribe have not come into place. But God saw the future. But he said, I'm going to bring you out with strong hand and with great possession. Are you sitting there with me? At the point of bondage where the children was, remember, where they were coming out, don't forget what they did. They went to every man and said, give to me. Remember that? And what was it? They got gold, they got silver, everything that was needed for their life, they got. What am I trying to say? Everything the enemy seems to have taken from you, you are going to have it back a hundredfold. God knows how to prepare you for your greatness. And he knows how to frustrate the enemy who thought he had succeeded. So sometimes people are laughing at you right now. That your state of change, your condition of change, but watch what's going to happen tomorrow. Those who are saying this will sing another song. Hallelujah. Solution to depression and discouragement. I want to just analyze a few things to you. Some of the things you can do to overcome depression and discouragement. Psalm 37 verse 23. You have to know this. God does not forsake his people. Psalm 37, 23. He said, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. And he delighted in his way. Verse 24. Though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down. For the Lord upholded him with his hand. Can I hear an amen? amen? Though you fall, you shall not be utterly cast down. In other words, you're not going to remain there. There is somebody standing by you that is going to hold your hands. You could fall, but they say standing. God does not forsake his people. Hallelujah. Psalm 37, 23. Are you following me? Praise the Lord. You shall not be utterly cast down by implication. Even though you fall or you're falling right now, there is going to be a lifting up for you. God is there to uphold you. He is there to strengthen you. He is there to take your hand again and lift you up. You may not be able to lift yourself, but God is able to lift you. Praise the Lord. Number two, to overcome depression is good counsel. First one is realize that God has not forsaken his people. You may fall seven times. He is there to uphold you. He is there to lift you. 
He's there to reposition you. He is there to furnish a good table before you, even in the presence of your enemy. Hallelujah. Proverbs 11, verse 14. Proverbs 11, verse 14. I read it from the Living Bible. Without wise leadership or good counsel, a nation is in trouble. But with good counselors, there is safety. Hallelujah. When you are depressed, open up to somebody. Can I hear an amen? Get cancer will deliver you from the state of depression. And if God will do that for you, it simply means you're able to overcome depression. But if you bottle up your issues, they are likely to be magnified. Good cancer will deliver you from the spirit of depression and what? Discouragement. Speak to somebody. Look at someone you could talk to. Can I hear any man today? Don't bottle up your problem to yourself. Walk to somebody that is close by. Walk to somebody. That's why you have to have some relationship in life that you must keep because they have something to offer to you in times of depression. Amen? Somebody who can speak to you. Somebody who can release wisdom to your life. You need that person in life to overcome the spirit of depression. But you see, if you keep this to yourself, if you keep on bottling up, and let me tell you this, sometimes people come to the place and say, oh, how can they hold me? Go down to somebody. Maybe you were so high. You were so filled. You have all these. Things have turned around. Now you feel you can't go down to somebody else. What you're trying to say is, I can't belittle myself. My friend, that is an ego. That's pride. And that can lead you quicker to the place of depression. You wouldn't know who can speak to you. You wouldn't know who can direct you to the right direction, to get your reward, to get everything that was lost. Think about David as Ziklag. The wife was taken, his children, everything was taken, properties discouraged. I mean, the whole city was vandalized. But remember, when he asked of the Lord, can I go back and recover all? The Lord said, you can. But watch it. David may have all the strength, may have all the ability, may have the prophetic word. He didn't know where his wife and properties were taken to. He didn't know where the whole city had been lodged. Are you following me? The Bible made us to understand he saw an Egyptian boy that was forsaken by the master. It was a war time. But here was this man, hungry, weak, depressed in that condition. And David came in, met the man. And the man said, don't kill me. If only you can cause me to survive. I will show you where your things are. I will show you where your wife is. Mere counsel and direction for a man that may not have been so recognized by anybody. Don't forget, this was a slave boy. It was a slave boy's voice that directed David to where his wife and properties are. Are you hearing me? Nobody is too small. Nobody is too weak. Nobody is too far away from you that you cannot be able to speak a word. Talk to somebody. You need somebody in your life. They can speak a word. They can, one word can give you the right direction on where to go. Now, I'm not saying you must go to everybody in the street, but somewhere on the line, you should be able to look at people that God has placed in your way. There are some people at any point in time that God has positioned in your life that you can take counsel from. And it will cause you to go to your place of inheritance in God. Hallelujah. Okay. The next thing I have to tell you is this. 
Get a smile on your face no matter what. And that's a hard one. <laughs> Praise the living God. Get a smile on your face no matter the condition. It's a difficult one. But it's an easy way to overcome depression. Hallelujah. Get a smile. No matter what, get a smile. It's important. God made this so. Hmm? He has created us with this ability to overcome situations by merely putting up a smile on our face. Let's think about it. Even if your face is so heavy and people keep asking you, what's the problem? That is not the solution to your problem. Am I correct? It's not the solution to your problem. Sometimes when you make big faces like that, you really want people to sympathize with you. But let me tell you this. Man's sympathy does not produce absolute solution. Hallelujah. It doesn't. Solution is still in God. Solution is still in Christ. Hallelujah. Amen. Don't unnecessarily be looking for sympathy. No, 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 no. In so doing, sometimes you're turning the attention to yourself and you're turning it to man. And the worst part of it is sometimes you come to the place of feeling that people are not sympathizing with you enough. Now that will lead you to hatred. That will lead you to not relating with people because you're feeling they are not sympathizing with you enough. Man, don't look for man's sympathy. Look for the hand of God to remain in your life. Look for God's hand to manifest to you. Just think about Jesus. Think about the grace. Think about his love. Praise the living God. I give you a scripture on that. Proverbs 15. And let's look at verse 15. I'm reading from the living Bible. When a man is gloomy, depressed, everything seems to go wrong. When he's cheerful, everything seems right. Hallelujah. When a man is depressed, everything seems to go wrong. And the truth is, things actually goes wrong. Are you with me? Are we on the same page? Did you find what I've just read? I read from the Living Bible. Amen? Cheerfulness can produce right situation. Joy can produce right situation in your life but when you are gloomy sins definitely will continue to do what to go wrong because at that time your mind is not functioning god's mind is not even functioning in your life your thought is in different dimensions you can put this right you can do this right hallelujah have you had people sometimes you're talking with them and the next thing they'll tell you excuse me please leave me alone i'm so confused have you had things like that? Please, please, please. I just want to be alone. No, friends. That is not going to produce the answer. Hallelujah. A little smile on your face. A little joy, no matter what is going on, will take you to the other side of life. Things will get right just because you are happy. Things will get right no matter what the situation. Ask some joy to your life. Don't be depressed. Don't allow depression. Don't allow discouragement. It's a weapon of the enemy to take you out of the prosperity and the life that God has ordained for you. A righteous man will fall seven times, but he shall rise again. Hallelujah. Okay. Whew. I want to make you see this again and again. Gloomy life 
does not have or help bad situations. Gloomy life does not help bad situations. Is that all right? In fact, the Bible made us to understand that the sorrow in the heart of a man will make him stoop. By implication, you get older than your age through depression and a sorrowful heart. Are you getting that? Praise the Lord. Have you read about this part in the Bible? Jesus made a statement. He said, none of those sparrows you see can fall down to the ground except by the permission of God. Have you read in the Bible? That simply means, no matter how much, how smart the marksman is, even with catapult or gun, they can never get a sparrow except God permits it. Praise the Lord. Let's look at something in the book of Matthew 6, verse 34. Matthew 6, 34. Take therefore no thought for morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. Are we together? What does, that, what does that mean to you? What does that speak to you? It simply means solve your problem one day at a time. Is that all right? <laughs> solve your problem one day at a time. Take no thought for tomorrow. You have an issue now? Handle it now. Not about tomorrow. When tomorrow comes, if there is any problem there, you also solve it. But for now, your attention is now. But you see, when you start thinking about tomorrow because of what is happening, the next thing is life is not worth living. Did you get that? You prefer to die now because you feel tomorrow doesn't have anything to say. But the world is so clear. Tomorrow is greater than today. Solve the problem one at a time. Per day. No matter what you're facing right now, see how you can handle it right now. And don't bring tomorrow issue to today. You're thinking that tomorrow is already worse off. It's like saying, if things are like this today, how would tomorrow be? Don't measure your tomorrow by the things of today. Can I hear an amen? Praise the Lord. Solve your problems one day at a time. Sufficient for the day are the evils thereof. In other words, today have enough problems that you don't need to bring in the one of tomorrow and add it to today's own. You literally die. Sufficient for the day. The, this day have enough problem for you to do what? To handle. Praise the living God. Hallelujah. So there is hope for tomorrow. Let's go back to Job chapter 19, verse 26. There is hope for tomorrow. Can I hear an amen? Job 19, 26. Look at what Job said. I gave you the picture of Job in the beginning. Here is what he said in Job 19, verse 26. And though after my skin worms destroyed his body, yet in my flesh shall I do what? See God. In my flesh, not when I die. 
I will see God. Even if my worms eat up this body, even if there is nothing left, even if I have come to the place of absolute disgrace, even if I have come to the place where friends can abandon me. Hallelujah. Even though state, I mean life has brought me to that state where nobody wants to think about me. Job said, yet in this flesh shall I do what? Shall I see God? And what did he say in Psalm, I mean Job 42? I've heard of thee by the hearing of the ear, but now my eye does what? See thee. Did he see a physical person? No. His situation changed and he alluded that to God's hand upon his life. He saw God at the end of the day in Job 42. Are you sitting there with me now? Good. But in Job 19, he made a confession. And that should be your confession. And you see, the things you confess will end up to be the things that will truly come your way. Job refused to be discouraged at this stage. And he said, even though one eat of this body of mine, yet in my flesh, my implication, I was still going to be alive to see God's hand upon my life. Praise the living God. You following me? I'm still going to be alive. Nothing is going to change. Things are gone. I've lost everything. Children, I've lost everything. Properties, I've lost everything. But yet, I'm going to see God with my eyes. It's not what people say. I'm going to experience His goodness. So shall He be with you in the name of Jesus Christ. I'm telling you of things to do to overcome what? Depression. So when things are so rough, make the confession. Even though things are rough, I will see God's hand in my life. Glory to God. I was discussing with the pastor in my office just two days ago, and he made a statement. I think he was talking with you. That if only, he was speaking to Pastor Francis, and he was saying, if only you know where this your pastor is coming from. You would really thank God. Because you knew me when I came to town. Despite the fact that God said go, it was just not cheap. He knew what I went through. Even to pay rent was an issue. But something kept holding me up, which was a wall that he released to me. Number one, he spoke to me, you go. I'm giving you the land. Number two, he spoke to somebody. A very close friend of mine. And he said, My son shall be driven to a wilderness, and his soul shall pass through his soul, but rain shall fall in his desert. I can't forget that. He wasn't here with me when things were happening. But I was going home, I met him at Emida, and he said, This is what happened this afternoon. I was passing through under the shade of the rubber plantation. All of a sudden, the whole place got brightened. I couldn't see any tree. A cloud just came in. And out of the cloud, this voice came to me. Go and tell my son. A soul shall appear through his soul. It shall be driven to wind and by rain shall fall in his desert. I keep holding on to that word. Anytime things are off, I say, God, but you said rain shall fall in my desert. Are you hearing what I'm talking about? Things were off, but God has spoken. Everything God said will come to pass in your life. Stay with God's mind. Stay with God's voice. Hallelujah. That word has kept me going. All the days of my life, when challenges come, I go back to him. 
God spoke to me years back. I mentioned that before. Look at this field. That's your field. And I found five big trees there standing. It was such a good field. And I woke up and I said, God, thank you. And God gave me the vision because I was kind of looking at somebody else's ministry. Like I told you, who is not even alive again today. And I used to ask the question, Father, where are the trees you said will be on my field? Now that I've not seen the trees the way they should be, I know the trees will surely come up. By implication, what God gave to me, I mean, keeps making me to stand and to believe and to trust that my tomorrow is going to be better than today. Are you sitting there with me? Who knows, one of you listening to me now could be one of those trees. Do you understand what I'm saying? Don't allow depression to kill you without realizing God's word, God's prophetic word, God's declaration about your life. Don't allow depression to take you from thinking divinely, for thinking the way God thinks. Let this man be you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. I remember sharing with you some time ago about the cross of God. I made it to understand that you can take a cross yourself, you can take a cross from man, you can take a cross from the devil, but you can also take a cross from God. The difference in the cross of God is, if God gives you a cross to carry, he shows you the glory, so that the glory can encourage you to go to the end. There was difficulty for the children of Israel, but he showed them the promised land. He knew they were going to face the Amalekite, the Red Sea, but he told them, I'm taking you to a promised land. He didn't just mention a promised land. He said, a land flowing with milk and honey. There was hope for the children of Israel so they can overcome the state of depression. Though humanly, they couldn't. But God showed them, this is what they are going to get. Did you get that? Jesus was to die. What did the Bible tell him? Look at Hebrews chapter 12. He said, for the glory that was set before him, what did he do? He endured the cross. The glory was set. He was going to the cross. He was going to be crucified. He was going to be destroyed as it were. But he saw a glory. God showed him a glory. That there is something greater than the cross that I have for you. Go through the cross and you enter into your glory. The cross of God. There's only glory at the other end. So no matter what happens. If God gives you a hope, stay with the hope. No matter how rough it is. You're going to come out glorious on the other side. Praise the Lord. Isaiah 26, and verse number three. Don't kill yourself because of depression. Don't use words, even against God, because of discouragement. Stay with God. Isaiah 26, verse number three. Thou will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusted in thee. Are we there together? Thou will keep him. Who will keep you? God. Whose mind is stayed on God. Isaiah 26 verse number 3. You know the word perfect peace? The word perfect means shalom. The word peace means shalom. Shalom means the peace that cannot be destroyed. Peace cannot be broken. He said, I will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on me. So you see, the people just simply change the word perfect 
is supposed to be peace, peace. So what he means to say is, I will keep him in peace, peace, whose heart is stayed on me. Hallelujah. Are you good at me? I will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on me. So you see, like Jesus sometimes says, very, very ascend to you. Have you read this letter before? Good. Here he's saying, peace, peace, will you have? Because your mind is stayed on who? On God. Perfect peace. Hallelujah. So how do you overcome depression? Keep your mind in who? In God. That means no matter how rough the situation is, the peace of God shall prevail. And that which seems to be what is bringing the problem will dissolve into oblivion just because your mind is stayed on who? On God. I will keep him perfect peace whose mind is stayed on God or me. Praise the Lord. Second Corinthians 1, verse number 8. I read then to verse 9. Look at this. Paul speaking here says, For we will not, brethren, have you ignorant of our trouble which came to us in Asia, that we pressed out of measure above strength in so much that we despair even of life. But we have the sentence of death in ourselves, that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God we raise it what? The dead. We should not trust in ourselves. So trust in God. Praise the living God. We were pressed beyond measure. We were completely in a state of depression. But we trusted in God who could raise the dead. That means God can raise you out of your death situation as your heart instead of who? For further information and message order, please call plus 234-803-481869. Or you can visit our website at www.gkai.net. God bless you.